Welcome back for another episode of the 212 Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, please give us a like and subscribe. Each week we have a new set of guests from the arts and entertainment industry. Today is no different. Our next guest are two of the members of one of the most progressive indie bands in the UK. Formed in 2003 in Liverpool, they went on to be nominated for multiple awards, including a victory in the Best Dance Floor Filler with Let's Dance to Joy Division. Who doesn't love Dancing to Joy Division? Four of their six albums have been in the top 10 in the UK, and this year their album charted in at number one, numero uno. Along with that, uh, I gave up on finding any hit of theirs that doesn't have over a bazillion views on YouTube. Please welcome to the podcast, Dan and Todd of The Wombats. How are you and where are you today? Hi, yeah, yeah, we're okay, thanks. We're pretty jet-lagged in Adelaide, Australia. Uh, we're on tour here at the moment, and uh, it's nice. It's quite sunny. Um which makes a change from back home. And that's about where we're up to at the moment. I was going to say, I didn't, I'd hate to be kind of a British person living in Australia and talking about the weather first, but you've come at a really good time because it's been awful weather the last couple of weeks. So I was going to say, is it sunny up there? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely one of the positives that we're coming all the way over here. Get a little break from the, from the grey. <laughs> The, the looming clouds. Now, talking kind of YouTube, you're touring at the moment. You're in you're in Adelaide, as you say. Um, you hear from lots of musicians of kind of the downtime in between shows, etc., and there being that that kind of time to to kind of do other stuff. How do you feel that is 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 it YouTube, movies, music, etc.? You know, toured. What's 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 your kind of downtime look like? Well, we're kind of like uh, foodies. All of us really. We're all lit, really into food and. Uh... Kind of like, you know, especially in Australia, you guys love um, brunch. It's something like, you know, we always try to find like the, the top brunch spot, you know, with like the, the best, uh, you know, batch brew coffee or whatever. So that's kind of like a thing that I I'd like spending time on. And actually yesterday we went to a gig and that doesn't happen very often, but we went to see Deftones, which was like, you know, one of our uh, teenage kind of like favorites, I would say. So that was a bit of a memory lane, kind of like time traveling, wasn't it? That it's good fun. Yeah, it was awesome. And what about you, Dan? Did you kind of do you, do you just kind of watch movies, or are you are you kind of the same? Do you, you do you guys hang out obviously outside of that as well, or do you go and do your own thing? It just kind of depends. I think sometimes we'll you know in after all these years of touring, we've kind of we've built up friends across the like in every lots of different cities we kind of know whether it's like family or friends who've moved to these places or whatever and so that's one of the really nice things when you end up in a city where you know you get the chance to see someone that you wouldn't normally see so often it's like meeting up with friends or yeah going out for for nice meals um i went to the gig yesterday as well which was a really nice um, nostalgia hit i yeah lots of watching like I've been watching Andor, you know, on the Star Wars on Disney Plus. Ah, uh, yeah. So I finished that yesterday because you do get those moments where you've got like, right, I've got five hours to kill. I'm kind of too tired to do anything else, and you just binge things. Um, so that's really that's that's nice. Yeah, and I mean, then reading, just just reading books and shit, and you know, making music, yeah. editing thing. You know, like depending on what your fatigue levels are at kind of and, and this time around it's obviously been the world cup on in the middle of the night so yeah. being jet lag and not being able to sleep i've just been you know getting in front of the telly and watching some matches like and what, uh, a, last what night a game this morning yeah 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 i was watching uh, the argentina game this morning so that was uh 
that, that, that I was glad I was on because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> that, that that's one one plus of not being able to sleep is you get to watch the uh, the games live. Yeah, um, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I think and, and so Def, Deftones were they playing in? Was it a uh, a bigger gig or was that just them by themselves or did they have other? Was it was it a festival or it was, was their, it their their own headline show? Um, ah, right. No, it was a theatre called the Barton yeah, Theatre, or Barton or something, something yeah. like that. Anyway, it was it's, it was like a you know, 15, 1800 capacity sort of theatre. So that was quite intimate and, yeah, it was really, really good fun. Mm. Very jealous. Um, they're coming into coming to Melbourne soon, so I definitely want to go and uh, go and give them a watch as well. But um, And I think sometimes I feel like people don't realise as well, you know, you're talking about footballers there as well as um, and musicians. You know, although it's a kick-ass gig um, to, to be doing as a job, do you, it's, it's kind of, you, you have your own thing, your own, your own downtime as well, but do you, I know you're talking about Deftones, do you ever, and you said it's normally not what you do, do you, do you, do you get that chance to go to gigs normally to kind of get inspiration or does that feel like work sometimes as well because it's kind of too yeah. close to what you're doing? That's the thing, because you spend so much time in venues and in festivals and whatnot. So a lot of the time, like, you know, when we've got time off, we kind of try to do something completely different or go and like, you know, find other things to do. Um, that isn't an event. So that's why I said it's not something that we usually do. But yeah, I'm going to the Daniel Johns exhibition uh, in Melbourne, actually, uh, tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So there's, yeah, there's quite a few things on this trip. A few little yeah. things we get to do. And obviously, you know, you mentioned the, the the food component as well. But um, you know, as a collective, you 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 know, you're a collective together. But you're all, you're all different in your own rights as well. And um, that downtime is there. Is there anything any unusual things that you you guys have? Is one of you like a has a knitting habit or a secret pool channel? Or... <laughs> I, I there was um we had a uh, you had a go there. Yeah. So Kelsey, who was doing lights for her on one tour, uh, she was an avid knitter. And I was like, we had some really long drives over in America. You know, you've got like 12, 14 hour drives sometimes. And I was like, oh, go on. That looks like a good way to kill time. Help me, you know, can you teach me how to do it? So I made like a really tiny patch of what was supposed to turn into a scarf. But once we finished touring, it's been sat in a drawer uh, for about the last three years. <laughs> so knitting was a very brief one. Um, no, I mean, Murph goes and plays golf sometimes. I did used to join him, but my forearms from like playing drums, just it triggers like our, you know, repetitive strain injury. So I can't really do that anymore um, on tour. No, just swimming and like, obviously, you know, when we're on the Gold Coast, we'll go to the beach, I'm sure. And yeah, get some like, you know, get, get some... try and do a bit of exercise and stay healthy and try not to, you know, try not to just go out and get shit faced off. Although that will happen sometimes. <laughs> Burn the candle at both ends. It's just kind of what you, what you, what you got to do. Um, and I didn't know that knitting uh, thing. That was just, that was a random, <laughs> random guess, but that's, that's hilarious that you did that yeah. well done. So on the podcast, we, we normally kind of, uh, and, and as other podcasts do as well, it's kind of, you know, how you got into the industry from kind of the people themselves. Obviously you read about, you know, I can read about stuff that, that you guys have got in, but just from you two, you know, Dan, where did, where did you grow up and how did you get into, into music? So I grew up in Liverpool and my mum played violin in, in a like little community orchestra um, just up the road. And so as soon as me and my sister were old enough, she started like taking us along because it was a crash. 
and we'd go to the crash and then there was like training orchestra. So it was like, pick an instrument and off you go. And I ended up playing the flute. And so I was like playing flute and in, in the training orchestra, then piano as well. And I think that just like from a very young age, it just made me sort of appreciate and love like making sounds with other humans. You know, obviously it was a bit more kind of classical or it wasn't the music, you know, it wasn't similar to the music and obviously instrument that I ended up playing. But just in general, to have that kind of love for music, that was really instilled from a young age. And then as I got older, basically I fell in love with like Nirvana and well, Dave Grohl in particular on MTV. That was like a big moment for me where I was like, oh my God, that looks like so much fun. And so I just went from about the age of 11, 12, I was like asking my parents, can I get a drum kit? Can I get a drum kit? And eventually they got me one when I was 14 and then haven't looked back since. It's so funny as well, because it's, I mean, <laughs> did you ever push away the, the the violin and flute? Because as a young kid, and especially you saying, you know, you love Nirvana and Dave Grohl, it doesn't, the, the two don't kind of correlate hand in hand. Did you ever try and push that away or did you just kind of fully embrace those? So I got to sort of, I was practicing for my grade seven on the flute and I, re- I did really enjoy playing it but it was around the time that I'd started like playing acoustic guitar and you know I was getting more into like learning how to make songs and or trying to make songs and learning like favorite songs from artists so like you know I'd be playing Beatles on the guitar and the, the, the how much more of a social instrument the guitar is versus the flute which is much more of like well, I guess you're playing in an orchestra, but you know, playing flute on your own versus playing acoustic on your own isn't quite the same thing. So I definitely started gravitating more towards all of that stuff. And then little by little, my enthusiasm for the flute just started waning around the time that I really started getting into drums. And then, yeah, pretty quickly, it, it became apparent that there was no point in me having lessons anymore. And uh, I gave up. <laughs> I have pulled the flute out on occasions uh, on various like solo recordings or. I'm trying to think if I managed to do it. Kenneth Clark's Beard. Yeah, Kenneth Clark's Beard, the, the old like, yeah. Wombat's Tour classic. Um, infamous B-side. Yeah. Yeah. Lizzo's, Lizzo's brought it back. Lizzo's brought the, the, the flute oh, yeah. the flute back in. She's amazing. Check out yeah. Kenneth Clark's Beard on YouTube. It's, uh, it's a real moment. Definitely um, going to have a check yeah. it out. I'd love to see that just you, just with a, a, an array of <laughs> uh, different instruments, just 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 a whole orchestral uh, feel that would be really really great and uh Todd, for you same 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 for you where, where did you kind of grow up and how did you get into into it yeah so i'm i'm from norway so i, I grew up uh, there um my dad was uh, massively into like classical music and also musicals so my uh, our house was just full of kind of like you know cats and uh, and le miserable and that kind of stuff loads of classical music he was, he was a music professor, so he was playing piano in the house, guitar. He had all these weird flutes and whatnot, all these instruments in the house. So from an early age, I was exposed to music uh, of, you know, a very different kind to what we do now, of course. And I started playing cello when I was six. So a similar thing to Dan, really like, mm-hmm. you know, starting off with a, you know, more classical, you know, learning how to read music and playing in an orchestra, all that kind of stuff. And similar thing, like it was Nirvana that maybe like uh, cracked it for me. It was more like Green Day, The Offspring. It was a bit more like pop, uh, pop punk, skate punky, uh, alternative rock. Eventually, they, they were also bands that did it for me. You know, it's that one moment, but yeah. I, I loved all that stuff as well. But um, that was the kind of like when I started to, you know, okay, 
you know, the bass guitar got four strings, cello's got four strings. So that was a kind of like natural transition when I was like, okay, got a chance to like play an instrument in a band. And it was like some of my friends needed a bass player. So I just picked up the bass and started playing that. And then, yeah, that was it really. We were covering loads of Green Day and yeah, we covered Nirvana. And then eventually started making our own songs. I was probably 13 at the time. And then it kind of like, you know, that kind of grew. And then I found, I found Radiohead. I found like this Norwegian man called Motorcycle that was way more like creative and alternative, way more experimental. And that's kind of like where I, you know, really got inspired to make and write music. So you're both really encouraged from like a young age. You know, it's some some people kind of that's that's their breakout. But you, you both were really encouraged from a young age from your family. Yeah, so lucky with that. Obviously, like um, Murphy's the know. same. Murphy's the same. Like his dad was in the Mercy Beat band. You know, like playing guitar, and yeah. so he had music in the house from a young age as well. What do you think you'd be doing if music wasn't the thing, or you just think that that was your kind of destiny? That was your that was what you were going to do, and it was irrelevant of whether you made it as big as you are now. You would have just been doing it anyway. It wasn't that one side. I was really into sports. You know, like I played football. You know, well, old soccer. The you say over here. And I was, you know, I did like biathlon, you know, like skiing and all that kind of like, you know, loads of winter sports. I was doing all sorts, really. Um, so, so it could have been, Tor- it could have Tor- been a, a football <laughs> star. <laughs> it was at some point that I wanted to, you know, I guess a lot of kids have that sort of dream. And then quickly realized that, you know, yeah, unless you like shaped in a certain way and got, you know, like I, I was quite small. Uh, and I wasn't very strong. So I'm <laughs> shit at football. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I was terrible, terrible handling the ball. So. <laughs> I was going to say Norway could do with you at the moment um, uh, to, 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 to get into, no, the, into no, the World we Cup. We got, well, we got Holland. We got one of the best players in the world at the moment. So Imagine that. Tor, not, tor yes, just, behind, just behind Holland. Yeah. yeah, yeah there exactly. you go. There you go. <laughs> so you you all kind of yeah. you all met in you all met in Liverpool. That was it. Yeah, we, yeah. I, I moved over from Norway to go to university. You know, it was a music college called Lippa, which I was in the same class as Murph. We met sort of there on the night uh, through a mutual friend. You and Murph met there as well. Yeah, we met the, there the, the year before. before and started doing some music together. And but it was just like two acoustic guitars and you know playing in little acoustic nights and stuff. And then at some point over that summer, uh, before Todd arrived, we were like, oh, it'd be good to like start a proper band. Um, and Merv was like, oh, I'll see if I, you know, hopefully I'll meet someone or some people in the first, you know, in Lippo and we can start a band. And then he, he called me and he was like, oh, I met this, uh, this Norwegian guy's up for playing bass and, and this American guy's up for playing guitar. I was like, all right, cool. So we started and we were a four piece to begin with. And then after the first six months, like the American guitar player, Ben, he ended up leaving. And yeah, that was it. That's been the lineup since like 2004. And, and it's so funny as well, because some people kind of, when you're talking about uni, uh, some people, that, that, that's quite common, is that they say, you know, I didn't really learn a great deal at uni, but I met some really amazing friends that I know now that are in my industry. Yeah, I think like, it's a mixture, isn't it? It's always a mixture, like, because one thing that was great about that was the facilities so like all the studios that we could use which obviously if you're not if you don't have that opportunity they cost a shitload of money to actually to rent you know you're looking at like 
two, three, four hundred pounds a day, yeah. which obviously for students is like way out of your budget. So we were so lucky that we could just go in the studio whenever we wanted and make demos. And so we just, and the te- you know, there's loads of teachers there passing on loads of great, like, you know, little sort of bits of advice. And um, the brilliant part with Lipper, that maybe you don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you know much about Lipper, but it's like obviously like in our, you know, it's a, it's not just music that, you know, it's like a management course. There's a course doing sound technology. There's a course doing, you know, light, you know, like so you got every like, part of the industry in the university which was great so like you know to mix our earlier demos we had you know we had people who could help us record and to mix them make them sound good you know like um when we started doing our first tours they were like you know manage management you know like people like could do tour management our manager that started helping us like from 2005 was there mm-hmm. so i started like managing us and getting us gigs you know like so he was in in, in lipa as well there's a very like creative and sort of like, you know, it's a cool sort of hub of, you know, different kind of courses and people. And when you, cause obviously you're all in, in different uh, areas now, do you kind of, when you go back to Liverpool, when you hear about Liverpool, is there some, is there kind of like some nostalgia there for those beginning days, you know, when you all got together? I've just moved back to Liverpool actually, like a month ago, I moved back to my hometown. Um, and it's just so nice being back up North. Like I was living in London and, had a great time there and it's a great city but liverpool's just got such an amazing vibe you know there's loads of like little venues and stuff for music there's a great scene for like food and bars and everything but it's like small enough and easily easy to manage and yeah of course there's whenever we go back there like we did three nights at the university back in april and you know it's up there it is always a special place for us to play because it's obviously where it all started and actually when we when we went back there this time we did this kind of it was on up for a radio show and we went back and visited Lipper and Hannah's Bar, like all these, you know, the places that were important to us in the early days. And it, and it was so nice, actually. And then there's also like those moments. Yeah, it's nostalgic, but also then you see like, okay, the city moves on, like this club that we played in, uh, that is not there anymore, you know, like, and then something else has come in and, yeah. and now there's other places and that, you know, f- fills in those kind of like boots and, you know, doing, and there's all the venues that people uh, play. Or the bars where they discover music or, you know, like it's kind of changing, of course, as it does everywhere, but it's definitely like big sense of like, you know, nostalgia, just walking in the streets, streets and like, mm. yeah. In yeah. terms of, in terms of your kind of your trade, guitar, drums, you know, who, who, who were your idols uh, growing up and, and have they changed over the years? Have you got new ones? I guess growing up, like. I mean, we went to see Deftones last night and Abe Cunningham, like I, I, their first three albums, I, I loved them and used to sit and like play along. Um, Travis Barker, like, you know, I'd sit and listen to like Blink-182's first like album and um, playing along Green Day's early albums. Yeah, obviously like Dave Grohl and Nirvana, like, and Foo Fighters, they were definitely the, you know, the first couple of Foo Fighters albums and, and Nirvana, they, like, they were definitely massive influences. But then... I actually ended up being in, um, two of my friends were like really into classic rock. So I was in this cover band for years and we used to play at weddings and like, you know, the conservative clubs and like just random places, birthday parties, whatever. And we had this like set of songs that was like quite a few Beatles songs, Rolling Stones, the Eagles, Eric Clapton, Queen, you know, like all this kind of stuff, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like there was some blues in there. And it, it was just like a proper mix and match kind of like of the, 60s 70s 80s and 
that was a massive way for me to learn you know like so it, it wasn't just like punk rock or grunge it was like there was such a, r- a wide range of music and that's so, singing the singing drummer though like the, yeah know, like, yeah and and so like the the eagles the beatles like and because of the setup of the band it was loads of three-part harmonies so i was i always loved singing anyway because i started on the guitar and piano before the drums so i'd just be like oh well, i'll sing as well so that just became a thing that i I've never really been in a band and not sung. So I guess for me, you know, yeah, Don Henley, Levon Helm from the band and, and Dave Grohl, obviously like yeah, a great was... example of like singing drummer, but then who actually became a frontman as well. Like that kind of, you know, drummers don't just need to sit there and play drums. And I, I, I always love the, like, I feel more involved in a song if I'm singing, you know, it kind of like glues me into like the melodic side of the music rather than just the rhythmical side. Um, and I think, and, that, and we need it. It's only three of us. So, yeah. You know, and it was, it's always filling out and yeah. kind of like making it sound bigger. Yeah. Jimmy Chamberlain, the Smashing Pumpkins, not a singing drummer, but flipping heck, what a drummer. Mm. <laughs> I didn't really have many music lessons uh, or many drum lessons. Uh, at school or anything. So I was very much kind of learning from all these other drummers. You know, I just sit there and like figure out the beats and probably put my own slant on it because maybe I didn't know exactly what they were doing, but kind of taught you to really listen into songs as well and like break down what they were doing and try and figure out for yourself. So that was, that was really important for me. Yeah. No, it was just, I heard a podcast the other day and, and someone was kind of saying, you know, uh, they love listening to the bands that their parents listen to um, now um, that they absolutely hated then. So it was just kind of, has that happened to you? You know, have you have you now got like a an appreciation for some of that that music that maybe your parents were like, oh, you really need to listen to this because uh, it's great. I, I, I didn't. I, didn't, no, I, I loved everything from the word go. I didn't hate it at all. Like, no. I, 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 my mom had all this like cassette tapes where she had like, you know, compilations of songs and there was loads of like, you know, Led Zeppelin, Super Tramp. You know, it was all this kind of, uh, yeah, Toto, you know, like there was all these kind of bands that I, I still love it. And I loved it at the time. So for me, it was not like that at all. I think as for music lovers, like in general, which I think, again, all three of us were and are, even from a young age, like I had, a, I, I just, oh yeah, I loved all different types of music. And my dad's like biggest, like favorite artist of all time by a long way is Neil Young. And so Neil Young soundtrack most of my life. And I, you know, I loved it then and I love it just as much now. And um, my mum was into like loads of Irish folk stuff, which I loved at the time and still love. Like, you know, it's, I no, I've never had that kind of like rediscovering things that I used to think wasn't, wasn't good. And I just always liked everything. And you mentioned that, you know, as, as both of you said, you know, you're, you're, you're music lovers at the heart of it. So, you know, without getting too bleak, but how important is it being back and touring for you? You know, how hard was the last few years for the band? Yeah, I mean, just that, you know, and we started touring again in January. That was like, it was sort of emotional, the first few gigs. It was like, even just the rehearsal, I remember like, I'm on the drone, you know, we, we started playing Greek tragedy and he like, he shed, shed a tear, didn't he? Yeah. Like, edgy, when he was, uh, you know, just heard that and like just that feeling of like, you know, this is happening and it's, you know. I had proper goosebumps, you know, it was a very, yeah, it was like, oh my God, I've forgotten what it feels like to be in the same room as like your friends, other musicians, like playing something that like feels that good. And it was, and then obviously that every gig we did from then on was just like amplified, like because the people in the crowd, you remember like those early gigs especially, but even still now, but early on it was like those first, gigs that everyone went to it was so special because people had that sort of like that 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 like 
Um, live music extreme like need. They had such an extreme need to hear live music, and that, the enthusiasm and the, and the energy in the room was even more than it had been before, or at least it felt like that. You know, you could see more like bigger smiles and more like there were well, definitely it, more tears and like yeah, it was such a big relief. And and uh, you know, it's uh, there's the kind of the elephant in the room as well. Is you know, it's not all kind of all, all money. You know, like I, you know, and and that was that would have been a difficult time over the last couple of years as well. You know, I spoke to a fairly well well known band recently who've had multiple top ten hits, and you know, they they basically get a wage from their record label and they have to kind of meet certain criteria. And I think that is that's another part where you know it's really difficult to, to kind of make money as, as well within that period of time, you know, cause you still need to work as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, obviously like, you know, touring is a big part of, of any band's income, I guess, and not having any gigs for that length of time certainly changes um, the financial landscape, but we were, you know, we can't complain because we, we'd finished our t- touring for our fourth album just be- like we'd started writing the fifth album and then the pandemic hit. So we actually only probably lost out and like, Half a year, maybe, maybe yeah. ten festivals that summer, and then we did. You know, we pushed back the release of our album, but like six months. Yeah. yeah, we 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 wouldn't have otherwise been doing that many gigs. You know what I mean? So, like, yes, of course we miss playing, and we we were main tour was supposed to do like a a little tour of the UK and Ireland with our side project Sunship Balloon that got cancelled. So it kind of killed that in the water. You know, we didn't really get to promote that properly and do anything with it. But at the same time, like in Wombat's world, it was it didn't make that much of a difference apart had, from to our mental health. <laughs> yeah, when we had a gap year, you know, like a gap year and a half. Yeah. Uh, but where we were still like making songs and, you know, had to get on Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. But it was, no, it was, it was kind of, it was tough. Oh, it was really, it was horrendous. Yeah. I'm not, but I'm just, you know, I feel like there's so many other bands who would have been in a much more precarious situation because they were like, they just released their album and as you say like you know if you actually want to talk about the finances it's kind of a label will give you an advance up front when you're going to record your album which kind of sees you through the year or two that takes to make an album so we'd had you know we kind of had our advance and we could get through the year and or two without needing to do a gig whereas if we were at the end of that process and we were supposed to go on tour then we would have probably run out of funds and needed to tour. But you know what I mean? We were really lucky in the way the timing worked. From a financial point of view, we didn't have any worries. So, you know, we can only be grateful for that. But at the same time, it was just fucking awful to not be able to do gigs, not be able to go and see gigs. And, or you know, everything everyone else went through, the deprivation of like seeing friends and, and family like, and yeah, all and the rest just, of it. And just people. Yeah, and just people. people. Like, yeah, just meeting people, seeing we, people, you know. Like, we couldn't go and, like, do writing sessions. We've been meeting up, you know, for two weeks at a time and that kind of cut, cut it short. And Zoom is definitely no, like, it's not as good as being in the same room as someone. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah, you and, and you kind of, you you made it uh, in, in some regards in terms of, like, the, the height of your, your career. I mean, did you have friends growing up that you thought were better than you or that you or that you would want to kind of bring along the journey which a lot of people do and or did you did you know you always would, would make it in comparison to the friends around you you were the only one that was was interested in the stuff that you were interested in well i, I had loads of friends that are kind of like was super in, inspired me to be honest uh, which has you know still people that are still are still doing music that i do music with marius being one mm-hmm. you know from a 
band called Teeny. Really great band that you should check out from from Oslo. So there, there is loads. I, I I have loads of people who st- you know do music. They'll they may maybe not all of them full time. And it was a good group of people that were like kind of pushing each other, I suppose, at the time. And uh, this is kind of like back to when we were like 19, 20, maybe. Obviously, then I made the move of moving to to England. And I was in some bands already in uh, Norway, but I, I, I quit the bands to go to Liverpool. So that was obviously a very, you know, tough decision. But I was also based on like, you know, that I maybe had an idea that I, I would, you know, I, I needed to do that, you know, to maybe progress or to do what I wanted to do with music. Yeah. And I like, again, we were all, you know, we were all in like other bands before, before we were in the Wombats. And then even when we were in the Wombats, like we were all, we were in multiple projects and along the way, you know, like you get so invested in every single project you do. And I feel like, and you know, you get some really good chemistry with other people and you you become like really good friends and all the rest of it. And in terms of like the musicianship, you know, with Andrew Rag and Tom and Mike, like incredible, like musicians. they're unbelievable musicians and like great songwriters, blah, blah, blah. But with, with the Wombats, I guess for, for me, I always had this kind of like, as time went on, it just got more and more apparent that like, that was, that was the one that I kind of just felt most like, I think we've got something that's really fucking cool here. That's like, I don't know, stands out. It's got like a different, there's something different. It's a gut gut feeling really, isn't it? Yeah, just a gut feeling. And and also like three people that are like really pushing in the same direction. Like at that time, it was very like, very driven, you know, like also like the right things seem to be happening at the right time. You know, it was a little bit of that sort of happening as well. Like feeling like, oh, this is kind of going away a little bit, you know, but also without the work ethics, I think. Yeah. Like having that sort of like willing to, sacrifice pretty much anything else like relationships you know yeah, like, yeah. i dropped out of uni all the um, band all the bands you know i left Alden prim that yeah. you know had the had a record deal on the table you yeah. know like making those calls you know is is difficult but having that sort of commitment and drive mm. i think that was a very important part in like the, the wombats like you know eventually yeah. like you know, and to be honest, well. yeah, even once we then started like getting a few radio plays here and there and stuff. And as I say, like I dropped out of uni and got like a part-time job and then we weren't really making any money, but like we just kept going and kept going. And like Todd then stayed in Liverpool after he graduated for another year. Just like, did you even get a shitty job? Or I know just... I had savings. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had a couple of yeah, some I did some. Yes, yeah, you used to go back to Norway for the summer, didn't you? And like, yeah. make a bit of money, and then that would see you through see for a through, few months. Yeah. And but you know, things like that, where it was just like, just do anything you can to be able to do as much music as you can. Like, I moved out of my flat and moved back home with my dad as well, so I saved money on rent because I didn't actually have any money. And it was just like thing, you know, decision after decision. Um, like Murph lived at home the whole time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, we well, just... didn't. Oh no, sorry, he moved to his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know. Basically, we were always just like skinned and just doing whatever we could to do yeah. every gig we possibly could. And that was all we wanted to do. It was just nonstop, like 
we were all dead excited and really what we were doing and just kept making songs, recording yeah. and just trying to get better and better. And But of course the timing know. of like getting that publishing bill, you know, like then getting signed when we got, you know, is, there is moments where it's like, it was a poor, those things happen when they happen. Yeah. Because yeah. if that dragged on a year or two, then it might not, you know, like yeah. being able to do it. Yeah. So. And to, you know, you mentioned kind of Oslo and you, coming uh, over to Liverpool for for you specifically there's there is it feels like there is a real kind of scandy connection almost to the UK in that you know you've got loads of examples of of bands Lars Ulrich um, in Metallica Kygo yeah, there's or I know that he produces but you know is it is it inevitable for for people in Norway Denmark Sweden Finland if you are into music that you will eventually want to go to uh, you know, a bigger population country or, you know, and why do you think that kind of fits perfectly in that connection between the countries? Oh, I think AHA is the best example of exactly that. Then how they, you know, if you've seen a documentary, AHA the movie, and how they like move to London and they literally live in squats around London, like no money. Like, you know, the guy just in us, you know, had some like, you know, not very good jobs, but they're like, just at it like trying and trying and they, they were there for like three years i think mm-hmm. before they eventually like and they recorded take on me like six times or something like that with different producers and they released it once and it wasn't it wasn't successful and then they did it again it was just like you know it's, it's, it's a great documentary you should watch it anyway and i think like they kind of like the, the way they you know because they are the biggest band in norway still you know like it's the biggest you know export, uh, export of, of you know, because they've been you know uh, it's been for so many decades they've been a big band and they still can fill arenas everywhere you know so i think that was a bit of a an example of how how you could you know be a global artist coming from a small country like norway even back then in the 80s you know and that's the same thing that happened you mentioned kygo or whatever you know got american management you know like then you got sigrid who got assigned to like ireland in the uk first and kind of them, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of artists in Norway that do do it that way, for sure. And and Dan, for you, you know, you're one of the drummers that we've had on this podcast. We've had Chris, Chris Franz from Talking Heads. We've had Paul Douglas, who played with Bob Marley and Toots and the Maytals. You know, other than being really good at it, which which you are, is there is there anything else that you kind of, you feel like you need uh, or people need as a drummer, like, you know, stamina, coordination or anything like that? I think um, I taught drums for a bit in my late teens, early 20s, uh, as a way to make ends meet as well. And there were some some young kids who, I would say the majority of kids, naturally, like, everyone's got a bit of rhythm and you can, if you just work at it enough, you can get there. I think there are very few people who literally, like, no matter how often, you know, you teach them the same thing, they just can't quite get that coordination. But... Let's assume that most people do have enough coordination to do it. After that, it's just a case of like falling in love with an instrument. I think, you know, you can't work at something if you, if you don't really feel passionate about it and it doesn't excite you. And for whatever reason, like I just got really addicted to playing the drums and it became a place where like I could just, especially through my teenage years, you know, you have various frustrations and, you know, you're figuring the world out and yourself out. And it was a place for me just to go and like put my headphones on and like smash along at 90 miles an hour to like some fast punk yeah. songs. You also and, need those guns, man. And obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah, you've got to make sure your guns are on top form at all times. <laughs> and so I just work on my guns basically all the time. 
I like go to the gym basically. You don't no, I just have dumb. I I don't bring clothes with me on tour. I just have dumbbells in my suitcase, and I just literally just spend all day like just ripping the guns. Yeah, just gunning. <laughs> I felt like it was going to be boring if I say that I only just lift weights in my room, but that's actually all I do. Um, I yeah. bench pressing as well. I like to bench press. Like yeah. I'm aiming to bench your, my own weight. Your takeaway is only protein bars. No, just protein bars and shakes. And yeah, yeah. When they come to see a one batch show, they can just guarantee they're going to see a man in just the absolute prime of his life. <laughs> <laughs> it's Magnificent uh, guns. Do you, uh, do you think oh, no, there's sorry. like, no, no, with the, with the drumming thing, like, do you think there's, cause it's, you know, you've, you, there's some people like in boxing or UFC that have kind of done weird things that you wouldn't expect like ballet before, which has kind of helped them to kind of get better at their footwork. Do you think there's anything outside of the band that's kind of helped you with any of that to shape you as a drummer? Uh, yeah, I would say playing piano and guitar. Tap dancing. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, like piano and guitar, um, huge help for playing the drums because you start seeing the drum kit in like in a more m- musical way, like how it react, how it responds to those instruments, and you know it's a more holistic approach to playing drums. It's not just like oh, I learned this beat and I can just play it, and then all the musicians do something on top of it. It's like no, no, no you can realize how all the instruments like talk to each other. And um, so I'd say that was a really big help. And then after that, something not music related would be yoga. Yoga was a massive help for like, cause I had like lower back problems and repeat, you know, my four, I had like golfers and tennis elbow at the same time. And like, um, it it's kept, the most physical. It's very, you know, cause I, like playing the, like other instruments as well. I never get the same problems. I mean, I know I don't play them as much, but like, drumming really is like it's a very physical instrument to play so you have to keep like a strong core and be able to like especially playing on big stages being able to control your adrenaline and your energy a little bit more which i think yoga gives you some techniques to kind of breathe through things and try and manage stress in a way that before i did that it would just be all adrenaline all excitement you know from start to finish just like ah! And then you get off and you realize that you've been sitting in a really weird position and not holding the stick properly or, you know, what little things like that, but that over time can really build up into like problems for your muscles and your, your spine and all the rest of it. So yoga, I would, I would recommend yoga to any drummers out there. That's really interesting. And I guess now you've got, I know you have quite a few hits under the belt, you know, obviously there's, there's ones that we all kind of know about uh, that have been massive, but is there any of your favourite songs that you wish had kind of got bigger, but uh, you know you have a personal love for? I mean, it's not. It's, it's, it's like I, I'm. I'm often just happy that, like you know, uh, that we like. I, I yeah, I often like like and enjoy maybe the other sides of the band that are you know the the more experimental side. You know, like when we do something a bit different, when we push the sound of the band or like the kind of like the you know the typicalities of a, of a wombat song i often like it when it's a bit different and i it's not like I, i'm always just happy that it, you know if one of those songs make an album you know it's not really like you know uh whether it's you know a single or if, if that's going to be pushed or you know like as long as you see the light of the world uh, of, uh, of the day sorry yeah. um that's that's the most important thing to me really and then what's yeah because it's so nice when like if there's a song that you might be like, this is one of the best songs we've ever done. And then maybe it's not as poppy or there's another song that's like makes more sense for radio and stuff. And the label are like, no, this one's going to be better. You're like, yeah, I can see what you mean. 
it's always really nice when a song becomes like a fan favorite. Like, so a good example of that would be Pink Lemonade that wasn't a single, but it's over the years, it's just become like, you know, streaming wise and everything. It just is, it keeps, it stays really popular all the time. And when we play it live, it's like, it's always a moment. So it's kind of nice when like the fans decide what songs they love the most. Yeah. And there's another one like 21st Century Blues that was on a, it wasn't even on an album. It was on like a, a B side on a, you know, a little EP for Glitterbug, I think. We just recorded um, it in our rehearsal room and, in Liverpool at the yeah. time. And, and like, did a friend mix it? it was Pedder. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's become one that like hardcore fans are like, oh, can you play this one live? Can you play this one live? Why don't you ever play this song? Love it. And it's one of those songs that just crops up again and again. But then like, like why differently? Yeah. To be honest, there's loads of those B sides as well that like, you know, Mosquito on the Wall, that was on like B to Z sides. Absolutely love that. I'll mean, just bring up like when the actually when I actually everyone get behind a different song as well because that has happened on the last album. We uh, method to the madness was one of those songs that I feel like we yeah. really pushed in a very different direction. We made a song that is not to, in me in my ears anyway, not not a typical wombat sounding song, and the structure is different, tempo change, you know, like mm. and and the fact that everyone got behind it, the label and everyone was like, okay, we want to put this out first just to kind of like, kind of like as a surprise, mm. kind of like maybe shock people, not shock, but you know, like, yeah. but kind of like surprise people a bit anyway. And I'm, I'm happy when those things kind of ha- happen. Yeah. Cause I think you can end up like, you can end up doubting that that's going to happen. Cause you know, you're like, oh, well it, it doesn't follow a normal song structure and it's got this big, like, you know, change halfway through and it's slow. The, you know, are the label really going to think that's a good idea? But then when they did it, yeah, I think that is definitely a moment where you're like, yes. Um, you know, so essentially all, all you want to do as a band is like for other people to share in that enthusiasm and like get something out of the song in the same way that you did. Like you get goosebumps making something and then when it's there and it's finished and you're like, fuck all that work and effort, like this feels amazing. And then when you get that response from other people, whether it's people at the label or radio or fans, you know, to get that feedback of like, yeah, we really feel something for this song as well. That is the ultimate thing. So as Todd said, it doesn't really matter whether it's a single or not. It's just as long as people do, some people find something in the song. That's that's what that's that's a good day. So, so to that point, then, do you, are we going to see a heavy metal version of the Wombats or a classical composer's mix of the Wombats? <laughs> I did last night. I was thinking, like, because <clears throat> honestly, the amount of times, like, in rehearsals, we'll break out like a metal riff, or we used to end the set with this like sort of mm, slightly metally like rock um, alt rock thing and like probably we, more like was it like a pumpkins uh smashing pumpkins kind of sounding riff a bit yeah. like song song two e yeah maybe like that grungy but we used to end this we used to call it euro scheiser yeah because it sounds a bit euro <laughs> yeah rock <laughs> but that's the thing like th- those moments have always been in there and we do have some songs where, in, yeah, yeah that was more hard hardcore yeah. but we'll but, see we'll we see. always have fun with it yeah. but it's never been like you know, it never made an official release or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but Love maybe it. one day we'll have a... A collaboration with Deftones. Fuck I yeah. imagine. That'd be, so, That'd be cool. so cool. There you go. It's 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 here. <laughs> and um, guys, we're coming to the end of the episode. I really, really do appreciate you you taking the time. Obviously, I know you're really, really busy as well. So um, I guess the last question just uh, I wanted to ask you, and for both of you as well, um, maybe you have a different one, maybe you have the same example, but, you know, for people listening to the podcast and people wanting to get into, you know, music and being a band, et cetera, 
you know, if you were to pick kind of one person that's kind of outside of the, the, the three of you that you would want to keep that would help you in your music career, like who's been kind of the most influential, I'm thinking kind of producers, music tech, managers, you know, who's, who's kind of had the biggest impact outside of those three? I mean, it would have to be our manager, really, I guess. Like, he's been there from the word go, uh, or like, you know, from a couple of years in, and he didn't really have a clue what he was doing to begin with, neither did we, and he's just been there the whole time, like, me growing, with, growing with us and learn as he went along and, like, you know, always tried to look out for us and push things in the right direction, not always working in the same way that we don't always make the right decision, you know, but we've just been there from the word go, so... But, uh, but, but but don't don't make sure he doesn't hear this because this, he might get a bit too high. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good place to stop. But um, Dan Todd, really appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, with us today, and and good luck with the rest of the tour. Nice one, thank you. Thinking of starting a great podcast just like this one? Podlike has helped hundreds of podcasters like you reach new audiences and grow their brand. Find out more at podlike.online. dot